I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth in Mission. The show must go on, the International Olympics Committee has said, and the curtain is finally lifting on the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Some sports are already underway, and the opening ceremony is on Friday. With much of Japan under a state of emergency because of a COVID-19 surge, the rest of us are wondering what this will even all look like. No spectators, no high fives or shaking hands, cardboard beds to discourage sex among athletes, and already dozens of Olympians and other staffers have tested positive for COVID. There's so much to process, and someone who is there on the ground in this huge international experiment is Chronicle Sports columnist Anne Killian. She landed in Tokyo just a few days ago. And we caught up with her to ask what it's been like to travel to Tokyo during so much global uncertainty and what she's keeping her eye on as the Summer Olympics finally kick off. So, Anne, you are in Tokyo. You're about 16 hours ahead of us. I'm wondering, what was it like to enter the same country as the rest of the globe during a pandemic? What, is, what has it been like? Well, entering the country was pretty crazy. Um, after a very long flight, I touched down at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I didn't exit the airport until 11 o'clock that night. Um, they have... Protocol after protocol, uh, paperwork to fill out. Um, we all had to take tests. We had to wait three hours for our saliva test to come back. They um, took the entire plane as one group, which was interesting because I guess if you know someone on the plane is infected, then the entire plane is at risk. So we had to wait for everyone on our plane's test to come back before we were allowed to exit the airport and then go through customs and then and then get our baggage and then enter Tokyo, step out into the fresh air. It was a very, very long process. Um, There is a lot of apps we are supposed to use. There's a lot of paperwork we're supposed to do. Uh, um, It's all kind of confusing, and and it's just you wonder how they're really going to keep track of what's an estimated 80,000 people mm-hmm. who are having to go through this process who are here for the Olympic Games. And does that mean right now you are in quarantine since I know you just touched down in Tokyo just a couple of days ago? What they're saying, we're in like a soft quarantine, whatever that means. It means that we are supposed to be tracking our, our own health on an app they are supposed to be able to track our um, movements, which is basically just by our phone and us checking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're only supposed to go to places that have been approved, which is pretty much all Olympic venues. We're not really supposed to go outside except um, to go to the convenience store. But I know that people are walking around. I know that people um, are are not really obeying that soft quarantine just because, especially Americans, you know, almost all of us are vaccinated. We're all wearing masks. Mm-hmm. We want to get out in the fresh air. So um, there's there's a little bit of a, um, the, it's not a hard quarantine by any means. And, and quite frankly, the scientific experts who are looking at what's going on in Tokyo right now are saying, well, this already isn't working. The bubble has already, this soft mm. bubble is already broken. There's already infections. And um, it's just, even before the games begin, it's showing that you, 
this just actually isn't going to work the way the organizers and the IOC said it was going to work. Right. You mentioned that there are infections. We know that there have already been dozens of positive COVID cases with Olympic athletes and other staff folks. What's the latest that you're hearing and what is the current mood of everything in light of these kinds of updates? Well, I think the mood for the athletes is one of um, a lot of tension and concern because even for those who are vaccinated, if they get um, contact traced, you know, they could be put into a quarantine and they could have to um, either have their their training very much compromised or they could miss their competition. Um, And there are already some athletes who who know that they are going to miss their competition because they're being placed into quarantine. Um, You know, I I was I I get one channel in my room. It's the BBC. And they were interviewing a Dutch skateboarder last night. And she was in tears because her Olympic dream is over. And and she's 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And who knows if she'll have another one. But she's she's in quarantine. So I think that there's, you know, there was a uh, um, an alternate gymnast who uh, tested positive, um, also vaccinated supposedly, but tested positive, and that you know puts into the fear of everyone that Simone Biles could be compromised, which you know she's expected to be the biggest star by far of the Olympics. So I think there's just this sense um, of uh, you know that you're rolling the dice pretty much all the time, and I I was. Um, on my plane, I was with a co- sitting seated near a coach who said that he was getting texts from some of his athletes who were staying in the village, and they were very upset because there is a gym. It's the athletes' village. Of course, there's going to be a place for them to work out, and that only about half the athletes in the gym were masked. Huh. Well, you know, you don't know where those athletes are from. You don't know what their vaccination rate is. So it's it's very troubling. I think everyone is kind of looking at each other you know, with skepticism and and concerned that, you know, this random person that I'm passing by or I'm eating next to in the dining hall could compromise my Olympic dream. So that's, it's not a, I don't think it's a, it's not that same feeling of camaraderie and brotherhood and, and, you know, joy of being here that, that has been in the past. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know this is not going to be your normal Olympics, There won't be spectators. I think athletes are banned from giving high fives and shaking hands. I mean, how are you feeling as someone who's going to be observing this Olympics? What what is your feeling about being a part of there and witnessing what's playing out right now? Well, I feel as a reporter, you know, witnessing it is important because it's historic and it's it really is, um, you know, something that we've never seen. It's something that could be considered um, either a uh, great um, achievement, or it could be looked on in history as a very foolish thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as a reporter, I'm interested in being here for it. I, I was at the women's soccer game last night um, in uh, on the, it's about an hour on the edge of, of Western Tokyo. And no, there were no fans there. And it was very, very odd to um just be at a game with in an empty stadium. Now, that's something that's been going on for the past year and a half. I just haven't been at very many of those events. But it's it's it, and it's kind of got to break your heart for the parents who can't watch their kids fulfill this dream that they've, you know, had since childhood. Um it's just a very different uh kind of Olympics and it it kind of strips it down to um of course the Olympics is about competition. 
And it's about trying to win a medal. That's that's a huge right. part of it. But it but this kind of strips it bare of all the other things that the Olympics are, which is kind of the global brotherhood, the coming together, the um, the exchange of ideas and, and cultures. And and I feel that that's going to be really it's really too bad. It, it kind of hollows out what the Olympics is really all about. We'll be right back. You can support Fit the Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. We know that the Olympics is widely unpopular with Japanese citizens. Japan has been facing its own issues around vaccinations, distribution of vaccines and such. Have you experienced any sort of pushback from locals or what is the vibe that you're, if you've been able to observe, what's the vibe from the Japanese people? Well, I think that they're not happy. They're they're very much unhappy that it that it's taking place. They think the International Olympic Committee is just doesn't care about them at all, which which, quite frankly, is mm-hmm. true. Um, I think. Japanese people are so proud of their country and so they're they're such big sports fans in general that I think there would have been this um, great pride and and kind of buying into that theme that was going to be about um, resiliency, you know, after the earthquake and the tsunami and and rebounding. And and none of that is really on the table right now. This is just the COVID Olympics. Um, I think most people are staying in their houses. Um, if they're going to watch it all, they'll watch from their television sets. But many of them are probably feeling um, like they don't even want to watch it because they're not happy about it. And and then you add in the incredible financial debt that this is going to put the country into just by hosting these. It's it's weird. This, this week, um, they awarded the next, uh, I guess it's the 32 games to Brisbane, Australia, and they showed the typical pictures of all the the citizens of Brisbane cheering in the street when they heard the news. But you kind of think like, really, does anyone really want to be Mm -hmm. awarded the Olympics after all these problems? And you see the way the IOC treats the country. It's no longer an honor or, or a wonderful thing. It basically sends countries spiraling into debt. Yeah. And I also would imagine it must be interesting to be a part of this global stage that everyone's watching now as an American. Do you feel very aware, acutely aware of your privileges as an American, as other, as you're encountering other people who don't even have the same access to vaccines and other kinds of uh, resources that we have? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I I usually feel that way as an American when I travel sure. to another country, but but in this case, it's it's extreme. The fact that we have people who are refusing to take the vaccine um, based on their politics or 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 whatever reason, and other other people from other countries don't have the access to vaccine, and so they're basically you know really risking their health by trying to come here and compete. And it's just you know I think. In the in the last couple of months, it's been so easy, particularly in the Bay Area, where so many people are vaccinated. I live in in Marin County, which has a ninety two percent vaccination rate. So, I it's easy for me to forget to put on my mask even at times. And and you know, right. you come here and you realize, no, we're right in the teeth of a pandemic. And the fact that that we're 
we have people and even some Olympians who are like, oh, I, I choose not to be vaccinated and are risking the health of, of their teammates, um, where, uh, whereas other people just can't get the vaccine. It, it is. It's, it's, it's very much a dichotomy that's not, not a real comfortable one. Yeah. Not only is the international community coming together during a pandemic, but there's also been so much sort of social unrest that the whole world's been privy to at this point. And I know that the International Olympic Committee relaxed its rules around protests, and we've already seen some Olympians taking a knee against racism, including that soccer match between U.S. and Sweden's women's team. Is there something else you're looking for that's unique about this Olympics and about the global community and this awareness of these all these different kinds of issues? Well, I think that that is going to continue to grow as um, as competition starts. I mean, let's face it. Mm. Yesterday there was a soft. There were some softball games and soccer games, and that was it. Um, so competition really starts on um, on Saturday. And yes, I think that will be a part of it. I think particularly with American and British athletes and athletes who have been um, coming from countries where this is uh, where where social justice protests are occurring on a regular basis. And, you know, it's another another thing, you know, that kind of points out how how weird the IOC's priorities are that, you know, they they have super strong stances on things like social justice protests, yet they also insist that there's no chance that this Olympics is going to be a super spreader event or that, you know, that, right. I mean, it's almost like they're in denial about so many things, the IOC, that that it's just going to, I think, um, I think this Olympics can just poke a lot of holes in their authority on a, on a bunch of different levels. Um, and, and again, Unfortunately, I think that the the outcome at the end of the day in three weeks will be a weakening of um, the Olympic brand and the Olympic uh, prestige. So pandemic aside, other serious issues aside, let's talk about what this is about, which is the sports, the competition. In the first week of the Olympics, what should we be looking forward to or what are you keeping your eye on? Well, I was keeping my eye on that U.S. women's soccer team, and and they s- certainly um, stunned everyone last night. No one, no one saw that coming. Maybe a loss, but not that was their worst loss um, in a major tournament since uh, the 2007 World Cup. So that was a big deal. Um, I think we're going to be looking at Stanford's Katie Ledecky in the pool. She's uh, considered one of the greatest female swimmers of all time, if not the greatest, and she'll be looking to. Um, to win gold medals, she has one crazy day where she will swim the 200-meter freestyle and the 1,500-meter freestyle in the same day, just a couple hours apart. Um, and the 1,500 is a new event for women because, I guess, in the past, they thought women were just too weak to to swim 1,500 <laughs> meters in the pool. Um, and then, of course, Simone Biles is, is you know, a su- I mentioned her earlier. She's She's just kind of the face of the Olympics and I think um, whenever people said, oh, should the Olympics be canceled? Then a lot of us thought, oh, but that would mean we wouldn't get to see Simone Biles because she's just such a joy to watch. And she's I mean, I I think she's the greatest athlete on earth right now. Just she's mind boggling. Mm -hmm. So um, that will be another thing to watch locally. We've got our little Kate Courtney from Kent Field in in mountain biking. Um, Softball is back, which is exciting. Um, it, it hasn't been back since 2008. 
And we've got some new sports like skateboarding, which um, there's Mm. men's skateboarding is on, uh, I think the second day of the Olympics is Sunday. And and the guy who's supposed to win gold in street skateboarding is, he grew up in Davis, um, Nijah. He was on my flight on the way over. And uh, he, even though he's a SoCal dude now, he, he says he still reps Northern California. So um, there's, there's going nice. to be a lot of fun things to watch. And, and, but, but again, I think all of it is a little bit tempered by this sense of, um, you know, what, what is this other issue going on? Just like everything of our, in, in our world mm-hmm. the last year and a half, it's this unseen disease that um, kind of is this shadow over everything. Well, certainly we'll all be watching closely, safely from our TV sets. But, you know, I hope that you have a very safe and smooth time out there, whatever that may look like. Thank you. Anne Killian is a Chronicle sports columnist. You can follow her coverage of the Olympics from Tokyo at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. She's also on Twitter. She's at Anne Killian. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. (laughs) 